Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Friday, April 1st, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. A small convoy of International Red Cross workers is on its way to Mariupol in hopes of securing an evacuation from the besieged city. Dozens of buses are waiting nearby. Russia had agreed to a limited ceasefire to allow safe passage for some of the hundred-plus thousand people stuck there, but the Red Cross says it's still unclear whether it's safe enough to proceed today. Meanwhile, there are reports of Russian troops confiscating more than 14 tons of food and medicine intended for Mariupol residents. Is Ukraine taking the war to Russia? Well, two Ukrainian helicopters crossed over the border and attacked an oil depot in the Russian city of Belgorod. That's according to the area's governor. Video later showed the depot, which has supplied the Russian war effort on fire. Ukraine has not confirmed it was involved. Continued good news for the U.S. labor market, employers added 431,000 jobs in March, beating expectations in continuing months of strong growth. The unemployment rate dropped again to 3.6%. That's almost back to pre-pandemic levels. In the details of the monthly report, there are signs that more of us are heading back into urban offices and the tourism and travel industries are bouncing back post-pandemic. Former President Trump ripped off his White House photographer. The New York Times reports Shayla Craighead had a book deal to publish photos she took of his tenure, as many White House photographers have done with former presidents. But when she told Trump, his aides first asked her for a cut and then told her to hold off while he reviewed the pictures, giving him just enough time to publish his own book, which is now selling for over $200 a copy. A federal judge has struck down parts of a Florida election law passed by Republicans last year. Specifically, he invalidated sections of the law that made voting more difficult, including limiting voters' ability to use mail-in ballots and prohibiting the distribution of food and water to voters waiting in line. The judge said these tactics intentionally discriminate against black voters, adding Florida has a, quote, horrendous history of racial discrimination in voting. Governor Ron DeSantis, as you might imagine, vows to appeal the decision. We're updating those headlines as news happens until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. Also coming up, a Black woman's guide to raising venture capital. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. Adolescents are in the middle of a mental health crisis thanks to the pandemic. According to a new study from the CDC, one in five teens say they have contemplated suicide. Plus, depression, anxiety, trauma, and loneliness rates are surging. The study also found that 55% of teens say they were emotionally abused by a parent or another adult while in lockdown. 11% say they were physically abused. The House is expected to pass legislation to legalize marijuana nationwide today. The MORE Act, which stands for Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement, would do away with criminal penalties and create a process to expunge convictions from people's records. It would also put a federal tax on weed sales to fund programs designed to help communities. Still, it's unclear if this will make it through the Senate, where similar bills have previously failed. 
Washington Governor Jay Inslee has signed a bill guaranteeing minimum pay and other benefits for Uber and Lyft drivers. They will also have access to paid sick time, family medical leave, and compensation if they're injured on the job. Uber and Lyft support the measure, as do some local labor groups. This is the first statewide law of its kind. IKEA wants to buy back its furniture from you. As part of the company's sustainability push, 37 stores across the U.S. will now accept old IKEA furniture like bookcases, desks, and even dining tables. And in return, you'll receive store credit. But the furniture can't have been modified and it must be in good condition to be resold, which has some customers saying, Oh no! Our table! It's broken! Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he is considering repealing a 1967 act that allows Walt Disney World to govern itself in Florida. He insists it's not retaliation for Disney being so public in its opposition to the so-called Don't Say Gay bill he recently signed into law. But at a press conference Thursday, DeSantis said Disney, quote, got so far over their skis on this parental rights stuff because I think they're used to having their way. Now he wants what he calls Disney's special privileges gone. Starting a business, of course, requires capital. And for black women pitching their business plans to VCs, there are a lot of barriers. Black women get less than 1% of VC funding each year. Insider's Dominic Midori Davis spoke to more than 40 black women who have each raised more than a million dollars in venture capital. She compiled their advice to help other black women make their case. So, Dom, what is the landscape like for black women trying to get VC funding? Uh, Well, I would say the landscape is pretty daunting, dire, fraught. Like um, a July report from Crunchbase last year saw that U.S. startups received a record $137 billion in venture funds the first half of 2021. Um, But within this, Black entrepreneurs still just received $1.6 billion, which is, I mean, the number sounds big, but it is actually just 1.2% of all the money that was given out first half of last year. You talked to dozens of Black entrepreneurs. Can you talk to us a little bit about what they said they were experiencing? Yeah, well, um, when I initially started doing this, I saw that only before 2021, only 93 Black women had raised a million. And so I wanted to keep track of if that number was going to move last year, especially with what happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests. I wanted to see, like, is change happening? And so initially when I spoke to all of them, they were all saying kind of, the same things in terms of, you know, investors would ask them to prove themselves a lot more or they would want more data in their pitch decks. A lot of women told me that for like seed round decks, they had to have series A numbers and the conversations that they were having with investors there were a lot of microaggressions and there's the data that supports like obviously they're not getting the money, but then there's also the feelings that these black women have that you can't really put a number to it. You can only just talk to a lot of them and get a pattern of emotionally how stressful this is for a lot of them. Stress is one part of it. What other sorts of things are they feeling during this process? I mean, loneliness is a feeling, uh, especially because like you were saying, you need capital to start a business. Where do you get the capital from? You know, a lot of people don't know where to start. They don't know what to Google. And so they don't know that they can reach out to people. Um, And they don't know who to reach out to. Let's talk about the women who are actually successful 
in pitching to investors? What are the sorts of common elements that they're doing? What are they doing right? Uh, Well, one of my favorite things that I believe two Black women told me is that they're very picky on who they pitch to. Uh, So rather than just taking any meeting or meeting with any type of investor, they really look towards those that focus on minorities. And so being really specific with who you talk to is really important. And then also knowing that you are going to have to do more in terms of just everything in order to connect with investors. And so keeping energy up is another thing. Mental health, taking care of yourself is really, really big. And how can VCs do better, which is obviously a huge part of the equation? Oh, gosh, where do I begin? Um, well, first, I, I think the first thing that they should do is really take a look at their portfolios and really look at the criteria that they're using to judge these businesses and see if they're really being fair and equal in terms of how they judge every type of founder that walks into their room and what they're asking for. And if that ask is equal across all lines. Is there anything else that you think is important to talk about here? I mean, I would say that the problem that Black women are facing in the venture capital landscape is it speaks to the larger issue of how Black women and how Black people in general are treated, not only in the United States, but also in the Western world. I mean, we saw these patterns in the United Kingdom, too. I mean, those numbers are even worse. And I think that in the coming years, with with all the racial reckonings happening, I feel like, you know, the change that needs to happen in the VC landscape is just one of many changes. Thanks for joining us, Dom. Thank you. Dominic Midori Davis covers young entrepreneurs for Insider. That's it for now. Check back for the latest headlines anytime through 1 p.m. Eastern. The Refresh from Insider is produced by Frank Alito, Grace Eliza Goodwin, and us, Rebecca Ibarra. And Dave Smith. Carrie Donahue is our executive producer. Andy Bowers is head of audio at Insider. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye.